0: Published in 1908, the story is told in the voice of Soldier Boy, a horse that is stationed at a frontier outpost with the US 7th Cavalry. Soldier Boy is also Buffalo Bill's favourite horse. My name is Teddy and I aim to help people everywhere get a good night's rest so they can have a productive day and achieve whatever they need to achieve. I read a different story every episode to help you get a good night's rest. It is designed to play in the background as you slowly fall asleep. Every episode tells a different story, and you're welcome to listen to whichever one works for you. My goal with this podcast is to help people everywhere get the good night's rest that they need. And if the podcast is helpful to you, I'd love your help in helping me achieve this. Please jump into iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Subscribe and leave a review. You would be surprised at how helpful this is. It's a small thing, but does help me reach people who need a good night's rest. In the meantime, lie back, relax, and enjoy the readings. Part 1 Soldier Boy, privately to himself I am Buffalo Bill's horse. I have spent my life under his saddle, with him in it too, and he is good for 200 pounds without his clothes, and there is no telling how much he does weigh when he is out on the warpath and his batteries belted on. He is over six feet, is young, hasn't an ounce of waste flesh, is straight, graceful, springy in his motions, quick as a cat, and has a handsome face, and black hair dangling down on his shoulders, and he is beautiful to look at, and nobody is braver than he is, and nobody is stronger, except myself. Yes, a person that doubts that he is fine to see should see him in his beaded buckskins on my back with his rifle peeping above his shoulder chasing a hostile trail with me going like the wind and his hair streaming out behind from the shelter of his broad slouch. Yes, he is a sight to look at then, and I'm part of it myself. I am his favourite horse, out of dozens. Big as he is, I have carried him 81 miles between nightfall and sunrise on the scout. And I am good for 50, day in and day out and all the time. I am not large, but I am built on a business basis. I have carried him thousands and thousands of miles on scout duty for the army, and there's not a gorge, nor a pass, nor a valley, nor a fort, nor a trading post nor a buffalo range in the whole sweep of the Rocky Mountains and the Great Plains that we don't know as well as we know the Bulge Coals. He is Chief of Scouts to the Army of the Frontier, and it makes us very important. In such a position as I hold in the military service one needs, to be of good family and possess an education much above the common to be worthy of the place. I am the best educated horse outside of the Hippodrome, everybody says, and the best mannered. It may be so, it is not for me to say Modesty is the best policy, I think. Buffalo Bill taught me the most of what I know. My mother taught me much, and I taught myself the rest. Lay a row of moccasins before me, Pawnee, so Shoshone, Cheyenne and Blackfoot and many other tribes as you please, and I can name the tribe every moccasin belongs to by the make of it. Name it in horse talk, and could do it in American if I had speech. I know some of the Indian signs, the signs they make with their hands, and the signal fires at night and columns of smoke by day. Buffalo Bill taught me how to drag wounded soldiers out of the line of fire with my teeth. And I've done it too. At least I've dragged him out of the battle when he was wounded. And not just once, but twice. Yes, I know a lot of things, I remember forms and gates and faces and you can't disguise a person that's done me a kindness so that I won't know him thereafter wherever I find him. I know the art of searching for a trail and I know the stale track from the fresh. I can keep a trail all by myself with Buffalo Bill asleep in the saddle. Ask him, he will tell you so. Many a time when he has ridden all night, he has said to me at dawn, take the watch, boy, if the trail freshens call me. Then he goes to sleep. He knows he can trust me, because I have a reputation a scout horse that has a reputation does not play with it. My mother was all-American. No alkali spider about her. I can tell you she was of the best blood of Kentucky. The bluest bluegrass aristocracy. Very proud and acrimonious. Or maybe it is ceremonious. I don't know which it is, but it is no matter. Size is the main thing about a word, and that's the one that's up to standard. She spent her military life as Colonel of the Tenth Dragoons and saw a deal of rough service. Distinguished service it was too. I mean she carried the colonel, but it's all the same. Where would he be without his horse? He wouldn't arrive. It takes two to make a colonel of dragoons. She was a fine dragoon horse, but never got above that. She was strong enough for the scout service, and had the endurance too, but she couldn't quite come up to the speed required. A scout horse has to have steel in his muscle, and lightning in his blood. My father was a bronco, nothing as to lineage, that is, nothing as to recent lineage, but plenty good enough when you go a good way back. When Professor Marsh was out here hunting bones for the chapel of Yale University, he found skeletons of horses no bigger than a fox bedded in the rocks, and he said they were ancestors of my father. My mother heard him say it, and he said those skeletons were two million years old, which astonished her and made her Kentucky pretensions look small and pretty antiphonal, not to say oblique. Let me see. I used to know the meaning of those words, But, well, it was years ago, and it isn't as vivid now as it was when they were fresh. That sort of words doesn't keep. In the kind of climate we have out here, Professor Marsh said those skeletons were fossils. So that makes me part bluegrass and part fossils. If there is any older or better stock, you will have to look for it among the 400, I reckon. I am satisfied with it, and am a happy horse too, though born out of wedlock. And now we are back at Fort Paxton once more after a 40-day scout away up as far as the Bighorn. Everything quiet, crows and blackfeet squabbling as usual, but no outbreaks and settlers feeling fairly easy. The 7th Cavalry still in garrison, here also the Ninth Dragoons two artillery companies and some infantry, all glad to see me, including General Allison, commandment. The officers, ladies and children, well, and called upon me with sugar. Colonel Drake, 7th Cavalry, said some pleasant things, Mrs. Drake was very complimentary, also Captain and Mrs. Marsh, Company B, 7th Cavalry, also the chaplain, who is always kind and pleasant to me, because I kicked the lungs out of a trader once. It was Tommy Drake and Fanny Marsh that I furnished the sugar. Nice children, the nicest post, I think. That poor orphan child is on her way from France. Everybody is full of the subject. Her father was General Allison's brother, married a young, beautiful Spanish lady ten years ago, and has never been in America since. They lived in Spain a year or two, then went to France. Both died some months ago. This little girl that is coming is the only child. General Allison is glad to have her. He has never seen her. He is a very nice old bachelor but is an old bachelor just the same and isn't more than about a year this side of retirement by age limit and so what does he know of taking care of a little maid nine years old? If I could have her, it would be another matter for I know all about children and they adore me Buffalo Bill will tell you so himself. I have some of this news from overhearing the garrison gossip. The rest of it I got from Potter, the General's dog. Potter is the Great Dane. He is privileged all over the post like the Shekels, the 7th Cavalry's dog and visits everybody's quarters and picks up everything that is going in the way of news. Potter has no imagination, and no great deal of culture, perhaps he has a historical mind and a good memory, and so he is the person I depend upon, mainly to post me up when I get back from a scout, That is, if Shekels is out on depredation, and I can't get a hold of him. Chapter 2 Letter from Rune to General Allison My dear brother-in-law, please let me write again in Spanish. I cannot trust my English, and I am aware from what your brother used to say that army officers educated at the Military Academy of the United States are taught our tongue. It is as I told you in my other letter, both my poor sister and her husband, when they found they could not recover, expressed the wish that you should have their little Catherine as knowing that you would presently be retired from the army, rather than she should remain with me, who am broken in health, or go to your mother in California, whose health is also frail. You do not know the child, therefore I must tell you something about her, You will not be ashamed of her looks, for she is a copy in little of her beautiful mother, and it is that Andalusian beauty which is not surpassable even in your country. She has her mother's charm and grace and good heart and sense of justice, and she has her father's vivacity and cheerfulness and pluck and spirit of enterprise, with the affectionate disposition and sincerity of both parents. My sister pined for her Spanish home all these years of exile. She was always talking of Spain to the child, and tending and nourishing the love of Spain in the little thing's heart as a precious flower, and she died happy in the knowledge that the fruitage of her patriotic labours was as rich as even she could desire. Cathy is a sufficiently good little scholar. For her nine years, her mother taught her Spanish herself, and kept it always fresh upon her ear and her tongue by hardly ever speaking with her in any other tongue. Her father was her English teacher, and talked with her in that language almost exclusively. French has been her everyday speech for more than seven years among her playmates here. She has a good working use of governess, German, and Italian. It is true that there is always a faint foreign fragrance about her speech, no matter what language she is talking. But it is only just noticeable, nothing more, and it is rather a charm than a ma, I think. In the ordinary child studies... Cathy is neither before nor behind the average child of nine, I should say. But I can say this for her. In love for her friends and in high-mindedness and good-heartedness, she has not many equals and, in my opinion, no superiors. And I beg of you... Let her have her way with the dumb animals. They are her worship. It is an inheritance from her mother. She knows but little of cruelties and oppressions. Keep them from her sight if you can. She would flare up at them and make trouble in her small but quite decided and resolute way for she has a character of her own, and lacks neither promptness nor initiative. Sometimes her judgment is at fault, but I think her intentions are always right. Once when she was a little creature of three or four years, she suddenly brought her tiny foot down upon the floor in an apparent outbreak of indignation, then fetched it at a backward wipe and stood down to examine the result. Her mother said, "What is it, child? What has stirred you so? Mamma the big ant was trying to kill the little one, and so you protected the little one, yes." because he had no friend and I wouldn't let the big one kill him but you have killed them both Kathy was distressed and her lip trembled she picked up the remains and laid them upon her palm and said poor little auntie I'm so sorry I didn't mean to kill you but there wasn't any other way to save you. It was such a hurry. She is a dear and sweet little lady, and when she goes it will give me a sore heart, but she will be happy for you, and if your heart is old and tired, give it into her keeping. She will make it young again. She will refresh it, She will make it sing. Be good to her for all our sakes. My exile will soon be over now. As soon as I am a little stronger, I shall see my Spain again. And that will make me young again. Chapter 3 General Allison to his mother I am glad to know that you are all well in San Bernardino. That grandchild of yours has been here. Well, I do not quite know how many days it is. Nobody can keep account of days or anything else where she is. Mother, she did what the Indians were never able to do. She took the fort, took it the first day, took me too, took the colonels, the captains, the women, the children, and the dumb brutes, took Buffalo Bill and all his scouts, took the garrison to the last man, and in 48 hours the Indian encampment was hers. Illustrious old Thunderbird and all, do I seem to have lost my solemnity, my gravity, my poise, my dignity? You would lose your own in my circumstances. Mother, you never saw such a winning little devil. She is all energy and spirit and sunshine and interest in everybody and everything, and pours out her prodigal love upon every creature that will take it, high or low, Christian or pagan, feathered or furred, and none has declined it to date, and none ever will, I think, But she has a temper and sometimes it catches the fire and flames up and is likely to burn whatever it is near. But it is soon over and passion goes as quickly as it comes. Of course she has an Indian name already. Indians always rechristen a stranger early. Thunderbird attended to her case. He gave her the Indian equivalent for firebug or firefly, he said. Time's very quiet and very soft, like summer night, but when she mad, she blaze. Isn't it good? Can't you see the flare? She's beautiful, mother, mother beautiful as a picture and there is a touch of you in her face and of her father, poor George and in her unresting activities and her fearless ways and her sunbursts and cloudbursts she is always bringing George back to me these impulsive natures are dramatic George was dramatic. So is this lightning bug, so is Buffalo Bill. When Kathy first arrived, it was in the forenoon. Buffalo Bill was away, carrying orders to Major Fuller at Five Fox up in the Clayton Hills. At mid-afternoon, I was at my desk trying to work, and this sprite has made it impossible for half an hour. At last I said, Oh, you bewitching little scamp, can't you be quiet just a minute or two, and let your poor old uncle attend to a part of his duties? I'll try, uncle, I will indeed, she said. Well then, that's a good child. Kiss me. Now then, sit up in that chair and set your eye on that clock. There, that's right. If you stare, if you so much as wink, for four whole minutes, I'll bite you. It was very sweet and humble and obedient, she looked, sitting there, Still as a mouse, I could hardly keep from setting her free and telling her to make as much racket as she wanted to. During as much as two minutes there was a most unnatural and heavenly quiet and repose. Then Buffalo Bill came thundering up to the door in all his scout finery, flung himself out of the saddle. Said to his horse, Wait for me, boy, and stepped in and stopped dead in his tracks, gazing at the child. She forgot orders and was on the floor in a moment, saying, Oh, you are so beautiful. Do you like me? No, I don't love you. And he gathered her up with a hug and then set her on his shoulder apparently nine feet from the floor. She was at home. She played with his long hair and admired his big hands and his clothes and his carbine and asked question after question as fast as he could answer until I excused them both for half an hour in order to have a chance to finish my work then I heard Cathy exclaiming over Soldier Boy, and he was worthy of her raptures, for he is a wonder of a horse, and has a reputation which is as shining as his own silken hide. Chapter four. Cathy to her aunt Mercedes. Oh, it is wonderful here. Auntie dear, just paradise, oh if you could only see it, everything so wild and lovely, such grand plains stretching such miles and miles and miles, all the most delicious velvety sand and sagebrush, and rabbits as big as a dog. And such tall and noble jackassful ears that this is what they name them by. And such vast mountains and so rugged and craggy and lofty. With cloud shawls wrapped around their shoulders, and looking so solemn and awful and satisfied. And the charming Indians, oh, how you would dote on them. Auntie dear, and they would on you, too. And they would let you hold their babies the way they do me. And they are the fattest and brownest and sweetest little things and never cry. And wouldn't if they had pins sticking in them which they haven't, because they are poor and can't afford it, and the horses and mules and cattle and dogs, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and not an animal that you can't do what you please with, except Uncle Thomas, but I don't mind him, he's lovely, and oh, if you could hear the buggles too, And so on, perfectly beautiful. Do you recognize that one? It's the first toots of the reveal. It goes dear me so early in the morning. Then I and every other soldier on the whole place are up and out in a minute. Except Uncle Thomas, who is most unaccountably lazy... I don't know why, but I have talked to him about it, and I reckon it will be better now. He hasn't any faults much, and is charming and sweet, like Buffalo Bill, and Thunderbird, and Mammy Dorcas, and Soldier Boy, and Shekels, and Potter, and Sour Mash, and, well... They're all that, just angels, as you may say. The very first day I came, I don't know how long ago it was. Buffalo Bill took me on Soldier Boy to Thunderbird's camp. Not the big one, which is out on the plain, which is White Clouds. He took me to that one next day, But this one is four or five miles up in the hills and crags where there is a great shut-in meadow full of Indian lodges and dogs and squaws and everything that is interesting and a brook of the clearest water running through it with white pebbles on the bottom and trees all along the banks, cool and shady and good to wade in, and as the sun goes down it didn't diminish there, but away up and against the sky, you see the big peaks towering up, and shining bright and vivid in the sun, and sometimes an eagle sailing by them, not flapping a wing, the same as if he was asleep, and young Indians and girls romping and laughing and carrying on, around the spring and the pool, and not much clothes on except the girls and dogs fighting, and the scores busy at work, and the bucks busy resting, and the old men sitting in a bunch smoking and passing the pipe, not to the left, but to the right, which means there's been a row in the camp and they are settling it if they can, and children playing just the same as any other children, and little boys shooting at a mark with bows, and I cuffed one of them because he hit a dog with a club that wasn't doing anything, and he resented it, but before long he wished he hadn't. But this sentence is getting too long, and I will start another. And that concludes tonight's readings. I hope you've enjoyed this story. I look forward to bringing you a new story very soon, and if you would like to listen to another one in the meantime, you're more than welcome to. Until next time, good night.